We're at the end of the island with Junior Rowing News. Ready for rhythm in two, in one, rhythm now! Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the End of the Island podcast. We are live recording from, well, the end of the island once again. We can see Temple Island in the distance recording from the Henley Roragata press box. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Tom, John Lawrence, and he's back uh, for the podcast again. And our special guest today, uh, Matt Britton, Henley Stewart. Thank you very much for joining us. All today we got 15 minutes a rundown of action and various other topics of conversation but we'll go around uh, the four of us very quickly just to pick out some of the standout races today and Matt coming to you first of all what's been what's been some of the highlights of day two we've had rain we've had sun we've had all sorts of weather but in terms of on the water what's been your standout performance well, yeah great question I mean I was just rapping with Tom uh, on the YouTube commentary and we saw the dark heavens receding into the distance and I was saying you know we've had like four seasons today we had like we, we, we came out of the mists of time first thing in the morning, first race of the day, Molesy Tideway Scholars, one of the three races I was hoping that would go Molesy's way, none of them did today, unfortunately. And um, so, yeah, it felt like the crews were rowing out of the mists of the time, of time then. Then middle of the day, some great action, great races, monsoon rain conditions, followed by really quite tricky, swirly breeze. And you know, combined with the property water, so I thought that was quite uh, that was quite difficult as well. Um, some of my favourite races at this stage of the race are often the junior men's and junior women's quads, which you know Tom and you guys know much better than I do. But I think you get some great racing, and you just see sort of the almost the experience uh, growing stroke by stroke as you go through those races. So I love that. John, what about you? You've been sat on the bank. We've had we've all sorts of uh, things going on. Thames Challenge Cup. We had London winning by disqualification. You've had uh, some of your Bath Cruise racing as well. What about you? What uh, what took your fancy today? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to stick on the topic of the quads and probably my pick of the day. Bit of an upset in the Prince of Wales. We had uh, Crafts Breed Green Racing from the USA. I had them tipped to win the Prince of Wales this year, but certainly a very strong crew on paper. And, <laughs> Did um, I tell you that? <laughs> so I've got all my predictions wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a bit of a crash in their race, and so they're now out. So uh, Hinksy and Exeter going through instead. So. Uh, that's a bit of an upset in that race and probably paving the way I think for Leander in that event but good for, for my boys at Bath so they've got through and they'll be facing Hinksy tomorrow so um, good for them and um, yeah very exciting indeed. And Tom we had the likes of Jess Eddy, Katie Greaves racing in the Stoner Challenge Cup but uh, you yourself had another stint on the commentary again today some hot, hotly contested action in the Princess Elizabeth, as there always is. What about you? What uh, what were your highlights of the day? Yeah, I was lucky enough to, to like Matt say, learn from one, one of the best in, in Matt on the uh, on the comms. He's a lovely man. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on the podcast. I've got to say nice things, right? Um, and but my, my race of the day probably doesn't come from my stint on comms. It came from the PE mm. St Joe's against Shiplake. I mean, I was actually pretty convinced Shiplake were going to turn St Joe's over. So kudos to St Joe's for for showing their pedigree and showing their form from the US and bringing their their, their sort of quality over to the Henley stretch and I think that's going to make for a really interesting Friday matchup with St Paul's who of course won this event in 2018 by the proverbial mile and a specialist to Henley so let's see how that unfolds yeah, yeah. the PE is always sensational I, I, you know in my very very distant youth I raced three times in the PE actually first time got knocked out on the second day just like Shipley did there <laughs> devastated but actually you know we shouldn't really have gone any further in the competition we were rubbish but then uh, one two years running with the same crew 
and that's one of the reasons that I love rowing because you know that kind of thing forges friendships like nothing else and gave us the confidence we were a ridiculously small and awkward crew but we just beat everybody and that gave us the confidence turns out I was rowing with Olympic gold medalist Johnny Searle but at the time <laughs> you know he was pretty rubbish so did you did you win any other categories at Henley apart from the PE uh, I rode in a couple of other events I won the Wyfolds uh, as well uh, way back in the day for Notts County Rowing Association we just watched yes. the young uh, woman in the uh, Notts County colours again we had those bright green lycra suits when lycra was a new thing and um, yeah it was that, loved the Wyfolds a different event in those days um, but absolutely loved winning in a Coxless 4 and you know we've seen many of the Coxless crews struggling uh, with tricky conditions here and um, you know I think it's great when you get across this boat running well that's my favourite boat class actually 100% yeah. uh, and I suppose my question is actually based on that having won multiple Henley categories which is not something I can boast about having never won <laughs> a Henley category but what what would you say is your favourite winning the PE with your, your schoolmates or winning the Wi-Fi? I mean, for, I mean obviously for me we won the PE two years running which at the time had never been done before I think it has been done maybe once since then uh, but with exactly the same crew apart from the Cox and so um yeah, I mean, that's sensational because, just like you mentioned, Ship Lakes and Joseph's, you know, we had an enormous crowd on finals day and they like nothing more than a sort of UK-US <laughs> race-off and both times it was a really close race. And let me tell you, actually, first time we came from behind in the final 100 metres and second time the roles were reversed, also against the US, US school, we were ahead the whole way and they kept attacking us and we couldn't shake them off mm. and it was terrifying so I think you know from being expected to win but being you know coming through and winning great to being ahead and the feeling all the pressure great and I think that really forged some of my character allowed me to do a few things after that so you know definitely definitely and speaking of it's racing as we as we look out the, the balcony we see the likes of Pennington School there, Junior Women's Eight, out on the course, we've just seen Hinks' Sculling School. And dashing off to take photos of Pennington. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, I'm really happy that women are finally going to have the chance to experience what I experienced in those eights races, now with the Junior Women's Eights coming in, and the Club Women's Eights, and uh, you know, and the, um, what else we got, Junior Women's, Club Women's, and... Students. Student yeah. Women's, the that's island. right, sorry, yeah. Uh, the Island and the Wargrave, so brilliant to see that, and you know, I think already we're seeing some class yeah, junior women's eights and Absolutely. what we saw when the junior women quads came in in Henley you'll be too young to remember is just an explosion <laughs> of clubs producing better and better mm. and better quads and it lifted everyone and that's what this is all about for me as a steward now we think hard about the program and how do we kind of develop uh, the sport of rowing mm. and you know we want everybody to aspire to come and race here uh, in whatever category you know male and female any club any university uh, and it will open, you know, international teams will want them to come and race here. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think John, seeing that actually with the Diamond Jubilee, the impact that had on um, on the GB Junior Women's Sculling Team. Hopefully, sort of in two, three, four years down the line, we're going to see the exact same thing happening with the likes of the Junior Women's Eights and the same impact again on under 23s for the University Women's Eights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you say, we've seen it with Diamond Jubilee, and, and particularly for the for me for the students as well. We've got two student men's events at Henley, so previously with not even one event for the women so it's fantastic to have that now with the island um, and really seeing the strength in our, our student rowing here in the UK and, and hopefully uh, keep some of the students here in the UK to, to compete for our top clubs and like you say strengthening the national team. Yeah. So so Matt we've seen this year we've seen the introduction of these three events we saw history made with the junior women's eights yesterday we had the same again for the islands and the wargrave today but obviously getting to Henley it's not been it's not been easy this year I think to say the least so obviously 
We've got, we've got the boat tents on the other side of the of the course this year at Folly Meadows. We've got the new supporters lawn. What have been some of the big challenges for for organising this year's regatta and actually and actually delivering it for our spectators? Well, I mean, look, trifling in the context of the massive health and economic challenges that we all <laughs> face around the world. But like anyone running an event, there's been huge uncertainty. So what we have, we're there. There are committee so there's a group of about 60 stewards and a subset of that about 12 or 13 on the committee and their job is to help us to figure out what to do and through the year we were constantly looking for options of how can we maximize the chance of at least having some racing because you know if we can't do it then nobody can do it so how can we make sure we can have some racing we had a, an array of options we waited for the UK government to come out with guidelines and actually the best thing we did was took the decision early in the year to delay and because, you know, as you know, in the world, uh, kind of delaying things often gives you more options. And what that allowed us to do is when Boris basically said, it's fine, you know, you can go and do what you like. Uh, <laughs> then we were able to not just bring the racing, but bring something close to the normal regatta experience. Um, and that's been fantastic. And as we saw with the Olympics, you know, live sport just lifts us all. And, you know, my God, we lead all that. Right. So it's been good. I mean, I spent I spent yesterday in a deck chair just watching the racing in the stewards' enclosure. And did it you do a, things differently today? Did you? Slightly different. I, I, I in hand this time. I enjoyed it from the social side today, catching up with with friends. And so I was I was two sides of the regatta. But yesterday it was just great to be back. Just sat in a deck chair, just watching yeah. race, every five minutes of racing. And look, I think a lot of people yesterday were saying to me how emotional it was to be back. Yeah. For many people, it's the first event out really of any scale. It feels really safe because although it was busy. We've done lots of things to provide distance for people. We're outside. It was great weather, great racing, as you say, and it's the social. And of course, the other thing about a regatta like this is it's about the bonds that you forge over time. I've mentioned my ancient racing experience myself. That makes me want to give others the opportunity to do that. Uh, you run into people randomly. None of us had the chance to do that for a year. So I think credit to our management committee who've made, it, made this work. And it's still going to be tough. You know, we're not the regatta we were in 2019. Uh, record entries then, 660 entries, I think. And uh, so we're down to 490 this year. Only 10% or so of those were international. We were 24% international in 2019. Uh, but I hope that the coverage from you guys and the live stream on YouTube and so on, it's one of the things that connects with rowers around the world and inspires them uh, maybe to train a bit harder to get here next time. Yeah, well, I think we can't take any credit for the coverage, really. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's Ed Evans. He sat over there working away on his on his photos. And, uh, the dark night. <laughs> he's doing well. This, I've just, I've just realised, you know, I thought I knew how the regatta was run. I'm just sitting here with you guys in the press box and realising how it really works. But also credit to you, because a lot of what we talk about on the live stream is the work and the expertise that you've all brought together, which is fantastic. And it's phenomenal to have that. Uh, you know, in hand, working with Tom this evening was, was wonderful. And, you know, it's that passion in, in the sport that we all want to uh, invest in. So thank you for what you're doing. And it's brilliant. I hope the people who are listening to this kind of stuff are inspired by what they see at Henley, what they hear from you, uh, to want to get in a crew for next year or the year after. So, Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And, yeah, looking ahead to tomorrow, we've got the, what the likes of the Ladies' Challenge plate is making its uh, debut this year at the regattas. a big entry from Oxford Brooks. We've got Leander Club there. I think they've had some some really good development over the past couple of days, and I think uh, they're starting to favour uh, favour themselves against that Oxford Brooks A crew if they end up racing themselves on Saturday. So um, I think it's great to see we had the visitors obviously today, but Tom, we've got yeah, the ladies' plate coming in. I think we've got the start of some of the other top end racing. It's we're getting to the business end. It's going to be Friday tomorrow, at Henley. It's, yeah, uh, Friday's a great day. I actually quite like Thursday evening because it's when the crews who are going to race the Friday come out and paddle, and you see the real sharp end of the regatta contenders. 
and I think Friday is the first day where you get some real blockbuster racing. You mm. can get luck of the draw type of events or, or matchups on the Wednesday and Thursday, which just happen to be by fortune quite quite competitive. But if you look here, we've got you know the Irish squad coming past us here. I think they've got Olympic champions on board, unless I'm wrong. So yeah, it's going to be an incredible, incredible sort of uh, couple of days. I'm really looking forward. Yeah, to and it. one thing that's different this year, of course, is there's just less form. And also, people haven't had the time to be as drilled as they were, so there's more opportunity. So I think, you know, your predictions, it's fine, right? We're all going to get everything wrong this year, and that's what makes it so exciting. You know, I thought with my old rowing mates, we still row together, you know, 30 years later down at Molesey, well, maybe we should enter the Grand. We're not eligible for anything else. Probably wouldn't have done that well. But, you know, we've seen a couple of veterans crew, right? Upper Thames went out today, having gone through the first round really, really strongly. So, um, you know, it's wide open, uh, much more than it would normally be. And even the crews you might expect to be brilliant, you know, maybe haven't been so well drilled, and maybe we saw some of that in the Olympics. You know, the Kiwis in the men's eight, they had a lot more time on the water than most of the other crews. Maybe that was part of the secret sauce that they brought to the regatta. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. And actually, like you say, for us, we're pulling our hair out trying to work out who's going to win what. But actually, for the athletes themselves, they don't know how good their opposition is necessarily. So perhaps going into those races, it creates quite a positive mindset. They just go out and see what they can do rather than necessarily thinking, okay, we, we can't do this, or we've got this in the bag, it's just a case of going out and putting out your best effort. Yeah, and it's kind of even more exciting and even more nerve-jangling when you sit on the start and you don't really know what the form <laughs> of the other crew is alongside you, and actually you don't know what your form is because you haven't had the chance to fully test yourself. And then of course, you know, unique distance, all of the uniqueness of Henley, I was just thinking, you were prompting me at the beginning, you know, back to my first Henley race, I had no idea where I was on the track. All these crazy <laughs> names for the things, where the hell's the boys and the markers and the normal stuff you're used to. So what's, really what's the barrier? <laughs> yeah, but one of the things really struck me today is like, um, for all the crews that go out on the Wednesday and the Thursday, it's an amazing achievement just to be here in this of all years. And um, what you take away from losing is often the stuff that makes you stronger. What you take away from winning can also be life-changing. But I, you know, I think it's something which we need to kind of think much more about in sport generally. Is how do you think about winning in a longer sense? And one person I can recommend for your podcast, if you can persuade her, is Kath Bishop, a fellow steward, Olympian, Olympic silver medalist. She's written a book recently, which I think is brilliant, called The Long Win, and it seeks to sort of redefine winning. From you know, her Olympic history was basically pushing herself really hard and trying to focus on her Olympic dream, and then she had a bit of time out and came back and redefined it as a journey where she was trying to grow and develop and be better all the time. And that just changed the perspective completely. Got Olympic silver, and actually that's a win uh, for her. So I think thinking about what we mean is winning and thinking about that journey is something that we all need to um, put more into as a sport. I'm gonna WhatsApp Kath right now. I was gonna say, if you fancy putting in a word, we can have her on tomorrow night. Well, I'll do all I can. <laughs> I'll drop her a message, that's all good. I think she's on the commentary group. <laughs> but I think, yeah, you mentioned that the hotly anticipated racing, we've got, uh, some great matchup. We've got Neros against Edinburgh, particularly in the Temple. Uh, we've got uh, Brooks racing Trita and uh, Laha in the Netherlands as well. So the two Dutch crews have got really strong domestic races and we've got the likes of, uh, well, what have we got? You mentioned the Princess Elizabeth. Well, we've got St. Paul's against St. Joseph and I think uh, I think certainly one of those crews is going to make it all the way through to the final where I think they're going to um, probably square off against Eton College. I think barring any upsets from um, St. Edwards, who I hear are going pretty quickly at the moment. 
Well, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of yeah. fun. Lots to look forward to. I'm going to go and get a pizza. That's the way to recharge and be ready oh, for absolutely. tomorrow. What did you say the number of races tomorrow? Eighty-nine. Was that's what 89. I heard. Yeah, I, I think 90, 90 was the biggest day in 2019. So okay. it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Better get get that pizza down. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, we look one last time down the course. We've got uh, Leander's Wargrave Eight out on the course, passing yeah. the progress board. I'm excited the to see them race as well. Yeah, looking very, very good. Very, very good. Um, then, but yeah, as I said. We've got plenty of hotly anticipated racing to come tomorrow. We've got the introduction of some of the really top-end crews starting to make their appearance on the Friday of Henley Royal Regatta. And we'll be bringing you all the action across the Junior Rowing News social media channels, led by Ed Evans and his outstanding team. They've done a cracking job this entire time. He gets a lot of praise on this podcast. Well, he has to. To be honest, he has to. We don't let him on the podcast. Yeah. He doesn't get to speak. Yeah. No, like he just works away in the background. Way, but he does a be mysterious. You don't want to get recognised on the street or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, who else we got? We got uh, Shrewsbury's uh, Junior Women's Eight. They're also out in the course getting their evening paddle in. Say again? Headington have been out as well. But neither of those are Ed, Ed's picks for the Junior Women's Eight. He fancies Surbiton. He still fancies Surbiton. We'll uh, see how they get on down the line. But for now, that'll bring an end to tonight's episode. Uh, we hope you are enjoying Henley Royal Regatta and stay tuned for all of our coverage. And we'll be back for another episode tomorrow night. So from all of us, thank you very much. Thanks to Matt, John and Tom for joining me and we'll see you next time at the end of the island.